everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ask Jillian with me as always, Lizzie. Hi, everybody. So excited because not only do I know our guests professionally, I know him personally for many, many years. Uh, he's helped many, many people. And I don't know that he knows that today is my third week sober. Welcome, Woo! Dr. Drew Pinsky. Hi, guys. I actually do know. You do I was know. curious why you hadn't called me sooner to discuss. I know. Well, I wanted to save it for air. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave it in the hall. Which Don't leave so it in the hall. That's unlike you. So I am really impressed, Jillian. Yeah. Well, he would normally be obviously the first one yeah. that I would reach out to. Uh, but I, I thought, well, I'm going to wait because I'm going to see him. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, including his new book. And I thought, well, I'm going to tell him. And it happens to fall on my, my third week. I had a blackout. Uh, Drew, and it was um, and it was very bad. And I had, you know, when well, you don't, and Liz, you don't. But the next day, when you're like addicts, wake up and they're like, "Oh my God, what did I do? Who did I text?" I didn't have to wait. I had my friend come over, and she said it was absolutely horrible. It was not me. I was like possessed, and uh, that's it. I w that was enough for me. Um, Good. Good for you. It's yeah. a, a good motivation. I, and you've, you know, you and I have talked over the years where you've been involved with other people who've been like that. So you've seen yes. it. Yes. Right? In fact, um, I am having lunch with one of those people today. Mm -hmm. uh, Heather. Mm -hmm. Heather is now two and a half years sober. Heather Locklear. I hear she's doing great, by the way. So she congratulations is, to her. Thank you. And I'll tell her you said that she's doing amazing she has a new movie coming out i mean she's she really doing well yeah, yeah don't sweat the small stuff it comes what out an ironic title wow yeah okay. wow. She's, she's doing really well she's uh you know she had a bigger battle in the sense and i don't want to d diminish mine but she had to go through everything um so you're you know, going through a lot exactly. no no no, no. Everybody's detox journeys. detox oh, okay. and rehab i didn't i like i did something that dr drew would not be happy with i i quit cold turkey uh mm. and i had had zero unmonitored yeah unmonitored and i had 0.0, .0 side effects and every Good. yeah it's Good. very strange but every day i woke up i felt better better i was losing the i call it the booze bloat and Good. losing weight so i you know i was i told people i was a day drinker people didn't know that so mm. um it, it just really has lifted up a big gray burden and cloud yeah mm -hmm. yeah is there in your biological heritage do we know if there's uh, alcoholism oh yes my mother yeah. was born and raised in ireland and i don't your know your birth mother right my birth mom mm -hmm. yeah and i don't know if i told you when i first met her my sisters birth sisters that we have the same mom and dad told me that she had issues with alcohol so i stopped i just wanted to see if i could stop and i stopped for a year and a month and i had never felt better that was and how many years ago jillian like well, I was di divorcing number one, so I was 35, 34. Uh -huh. And so I, 20 years ago, because I'm 54 and I'll be 55 on Sunday. So what I did was I, I just stopped cold turkey again and I thought, I can do this. This is easy. I was the designated driver. Fast forward a year, I hadn't dated anyone. I gave myself a year after the divorce to just kind of figure it out. And it was literally a year after and I was in a uh, a store for furniture and this man came up to me and he happened to be Kim Kardashian's ex-husband. And he said to me, one of them, and he said, do you want to go for dinner? And I was like, yeah. So he picks me up in a Ferrari, which made me really uncomfortable, takes me to this flashy restaurant, super uncomfortable. And I was like, fuck Why it. were you uncomfortable? Um, it was my first date in many, uh. since the you know ball player I hadn't dated in eight years. And just the idea of not drinking on a date. I had never had a sober date, you know, like a real, like two, if I did, it'd be two glasses of wine. Then I'd go home and open up a bottle. So anyway, I was like, you know what? I've got this under control. I'm going to order a glass of wine. And so I did. And, uh, by, a, uh, I think it was a week later, I was right back to where I started, <laughs> which is normal, right? Which is normal, completely normal. And, and it's, it's an interesting situation this is a this is a challenging thing for me to help people with yeah. is when you can still control it right it's when it's like for heather it was out of control yep. she was clear what she had to do she yep. has to take treatment she has to embrace the program she's got to do all the things it's it's the and it was public <laughs> yeah what's that what? and it was public so she yeah. would see herself yeah. looking but but she but she know. threw the switch once the switch is fully full volume thrown yep. there are no alternatives <laughs> you have to right. do a certain kind of treatment a certain kind of way period and get into it full wholeheartedly you're in this kind of intermediate 
intermediate zone where you're sort of controlling it. And it's I'm always in a challenge to, you know, I, I, I want to see people do something yeah. when they're in situations like yours, whether it's get a therapist or if you feel like going to meetings, going to meetings, whatever, whatever yeah. it is, there, there's there's different ways to do. You have more options yes. when you still have not totally lost control or do you feel like you're out of control? Do you feel like uh, last th two, three Thursdays ago? Apparently so. And, uh, you know, I, if it's affecting me like that, I don't remember a thing. I mean, I literally got up the next morning and I was like, hi, Rocco. And you know what he said? Get lost. Your son. My son never talks to me like that. I was like, what? Because and you spiraled out of control in front of them, correct? They were in a different room, but they could hear me. Not, no. They didn't see it, but they could hear me. So... Could you get a therapist? Is that something? Oh, I already have. I already have. And I think I've been lying to myself for so long about being one. Like in the back of my head, I'm like... I don't know. I have a problem, but nobody else does. So fuck it. I'm going to, yeah. Know. Were you honest with your therapist? Because I saw you yeah. so regularly and I had no clue. She knew. Yeah. Ah, and she's okay. like, well, I'm giving you antidepressants and you're countering it with your right. alcohol abuse. Right. And so mm. she was fully aware, but she, she can't say stop because it's, it, it needs to be you who stops. Right. right? Like right. she, That's she right. did say tone it down and I fucking, you know, one is a thousand for me. There's no such thing as one. And so, uh, I was able to cover it. I was a functioning alcoholic. However, when I look back, I think, hmm, I think there was a few things where, I, you know, I made decisions based on uh, poor it, decisions. It's always worse than you think it is when you're in it. Yes. And, and, believe, and believe me, people know more than you think they do. But usually by the time you get ready for change, everyone's like, hmm, I've worried about you for a while. And Liz, wasn't <laughs> it like that for you? Well, I told you, I didn't know you were day drinking, but because yeah. of the cancer and your anxiety and the things that have been going on lately, I attributed your behavior to that. And yeah. then to find out later that most likely the drinks you were bringing in were recording podcasts or when I would see you sometimes, they were... You know, wine. wine. I did not know that because we kind of said we would never drink during podcasts. So I thought well, you I, were following. I got my girl. My girlfriend has a, a tequila company and she was a guest. She's the uh, Mexican actress and she came on. And so we were drinking Kate, tequila, uh, Kate Del Castillo. Del Castillo. And so <laughs> we're drinking and it was like I passed out. And so poor Liz has to carry the rest of the fucking broadcast. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like tits up. And then uh, I said, never again are we drinking. Yeah, she goes, we're not going to drink again. I go, oh I God. agree. I, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know this woman. We are never doing this again. And then I said, absolutely not. Three weeks later, I bring my wine in. So, yeah. but without uh, telling But I didn't Liz. know that. Yeah. Yeah. So Wait, hold on a second. It's, it's, hold on. I'm shocked. Is somebody whose alcohol problem was lying? Whoa. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what's funny, Drew? I told my kids, because my, my son, they've never not seen me have wine. They've never seen me like this, okay? And yeah. and so it scared them. It confused them. They didn't know what was going on. And I never am going to put that in that, them in that situation again. I'm doing it for me. Sorry, I'm drinking soda now. I drink LaCroix. Do addicts drink LaCroix like it's going out of business? There is often, you know, uh, a behavioral substitute. Well, that's mine. Well, I think uh, behavioral yeah. is her IG lives now. She goes all the time live. Yeah, I love Instagram <laughs> live. It's like you with fucking TikTok. By the way, I go to, I was talking to Susan one day and I go, where's Drew? She goes, probably on TikTok. You were recovering from COVID. And I said, right. TikTok, my kids are on that. What's that? I can't get off it now. I don't even. I don't even go on Twitter. I haven't been, people are like, "Why aren't you on Twitter anymore?" I'm like, uh, "It's called TikTok." So, but, it, is, it is. It's an evil instrument. It's addictive as hell. But you stuff. know what somebody said? They said if you go on Twitter, you can end up hating people you you know. When you go on TikTok, you fall in love with people you don't know, and it's yeah, true. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, how true. But. Um, Getting back to the levels of sobriety, because this is your, you know, expertise. Um, yeah, you can be a closet. And I blacked out so much that I didn't understand why, you know, the next day I, I was like, zippity doo da, And that's another sign. I had blacked out and felt completely wonderful the next morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what happened was I drank wine and I ran out of wine and we have, I have hard liquor for guests if they want to. And I dipped into that, which I, I'm not a hard liquor drinker. I'll have champagne maybe with, you know, but and I, now you have to say you had, had yeah, past, right? Yeah, it's new, but I feel safe going to lunch with Heather because I know I'm not going to try to cheat. Like we keep each other on, on uh, accountable 
And uh, we once spoke for like two hours and she goes, oh, I was supposed to go to a meeting, but I felt like I had my meeting. Like she had helped me so much. Um, you know, it just, you know how it works. And so. Oh, that, that was after you stopped? She helped you? Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, well, you had all the setup for this issue, right? You have a genetic heritage. You had the childhood trauma. Yeah. You had the sort of accessibility. You know, you're free to do this, and and that's that's it. That's those are the those are the the setup for it. And so, and did you ever have your trauma treated? Was it ever formally treated? Trauma? You know what's funny? You're the oh my god! I told the story on Instagram Live today um, about meeting you and you giving me women's numbers back when I did the ten o'clock news list. And PM. Yeah, oh, night like news. many moves. Yeah, I was 26. And he gave me these women's numbers. And I didn't really reach out for seven years. Well, wait, wait, back up. Um, because a lot of people here won't. Why did you reach out to Dr. Drew? Because this is going back 20 plus years, I was years, 26. Right? So wow. 20. Mm -hmm. No, 30 years. Wow. Okay. So 30. Isn't this where you, where you had the experience in the makeup room in Miami or something? Yeah. yeah. And Maybe. what was that experience? Just oh, so people don't know. It, okay. So I was watching the news and I was in the makeup room with the other anchors and, and they, and there was a story about a six-year-old getting molested. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's a sad, but why is it making headlines? Like, Everybody happens, everybody happens everybody and they would look at me and they're like no it doesn't I was like oh please like you don't have a touchy-feely uncle or a creepy grandfather they're like uh what and then uh so I moved to LA and it kept bothering me because it was affecting my sex life with my with the baseball player I was like I was grossed out I didn't want to be touched it was really affecting me so I got on the Rolodex and I called poor Dr. Drew he doesn't know me but I'd listen just to out of the blue you called yes. Dr. Drew but I listened to <laughs> Loveline every night and I felt like you were I, listed Dr. Drew jeez well no it was Fox <laughs> joking no I'm, I was at Fox and I'm he was joking, he was a yes. guest right so yes. he every all of our mm -hmm. guests we have their numbers so I, I I called him up and poor Susan his lovely wife whom I freaking adore and we are friends now but she answered it she had triplets oh, in her arms Drew's back from the hospital ready to go to Loveline he's like who is this what are you calling me about what the <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just need some women um, psychiatrists. I was molested. I'm the weather woman on Fox. He probably thought I was fucking nuts. And poor Susan's like, you hear this in the background. Uh, but, you know, it started a lifelong, you know, I worked with Drew. I'm friendly with Drew and his wife, Susan, whom I absolutely love. And, you know, furthermore, it really, I was hiding it from everybody, Drew. So, except I thought I was, but the kids knew. Apparently they would look right. at each other. Well, and so, and so did you ever get trauma therapy? For yes. So I went to a woman for trauma therapy and you know what she ended up helping me with? Finding my birth family because her brother was adopted and she's like, hire a detective. So then I hired a detective, found my family. Then that became my focus. So have I really dealt with being molested? Not really. Like mm. I, I've told this therapist that I have in Pasadena, we do it Zoom, that I was molested, but it's she's really helping me with current things right now. And mm. slowly we're going backwards. A ask her about EMDR because uh, now that you're not Is using, that resetting uh, your brain? EMDR may be very useful. What's that? Is that resetting your brain? Yeah, it's it's a it's an eye movement therapy that helps you access. See, the way trauma works is it those traumatized parts of yourself get walled off from yes. the rest of your brain. Oh, yes. You literally can't access it. It's a piece of yourself that is left behind, and you can't integrate it with everything else. You can't regulate it, and it demands attention through various kinds of feelings and impulses and things that may not be good yeah so you have to use things like emdr to gain access and to reintegrate and re-experience those things oh, and pull it into your whole self so, so it can integrate as part of a affective regulatory whole interesting so you don't have to reach for something like alcohol to regulate emotions that you're not even aware of right that's exactly what i did it uh, emotions that i wasn't aware of but certainly voices i wanted to shut the fuck up so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and also dealing with and I remember when you guys were dealing, I have a teenage daughter now and my son is 11 and we're mm -hmm. going through all of those sort of adjustments. And it kind of well, brings me to, you know, what you and Paulina, what your daughter and you wrote oh, about. Yeah. Because no, we wrote a book about it. It's, it's helped us. Actually, we're, we're tighter because the way there's the book. It doesn't have to be awkward. It's uh, designed for 12 to 20-year-olds. helping. It really helps them navigate relationships and also helps parents talk to the kids about relationships. Without and being to, awkward. Get, but all kinds of things. It was originally a book about consent, actually, mm -hmm. uh, because it was uh, the That's publisher came to me during all the Me Too stuff and adolescents at the time were having a lot of difficulty yeah. navigating consent. 
And I said, look, we were writing something for adolescent. I need a young voice in the book. So let's get my daughter. She's a writer. Yeah. And it was really a good thing. It was a very good thing. Well, it's, it's, she's the perfect thing because she's come up with that generation that we didn't come up with, which is a completely different vernacular. They speak different words now. They identify as different things. My daughter says, she's like, oh, they, they. And I'm like, who's they? And she's like, oh, they identify as they. And I'm like, oh. And so, um, which is not a big deal to most kids now. No, not at all. Which is wonderful, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, but but for people like us, it's it's treading on like we should know. But also talking to our kids. My son is at the point now where he's 11, where I used to be able to, like when he was eight, he's like, oh, mom, I'm changing. I'm like, I don't care. I made that penis. He's like, ha ha. He thought it was hilarious. Now he's 11. And like I, I walked in and he's <laughs> like, out. mom. And then if I, she, I walk in on her, I'm like, let's buy some bras. And uh, she's like, mom. I'm like, what? I'm like, you're getting boobs. Like, let's go. And I have no, you know, filter. And, and she doesn't want to talk to me about it. I'm like, so I end up talking to all her friends about their periods, about bras. And I'm like, why can't I talk to her? So that's why this is perfect. Doesn't have to be awkward. Like, let's not make it awkward. I said, I'll tell you what, what's, what's your favorite store? Like for, what do you think? Cause I was going to take her to Nordstrom. She's like, and I could tell the look on her face. She zoned out boring. And I'm like, have you been to Victoria's Secret? She's like, no, but there's some perfume there. I go, let's just go. I did not think they'd have her size. They did. We got her the most beautiful, pretty color, Victoria, and it made her day. So I kind of turned a negative into, you know, positive, fun thing, you know? Mm -hmm. That's great. I yeah. mean, that's how you do it. But, but you know, the, the, you can't, I don't want to freak you out about this, but because it's not a huge deal, but you, you don't get to um, pull back from the trauma of an intoxicated parent. Yeah. You, you, your recovery means everything. Then that's all they care about is that you are getting better. That's all they care about. She woke up today and but, said, "Mom, three weeks today. I'm so proud of you. You're a hundred percent right." That's all they care about. Mm -hmm. But you may want to get them someone to talk to just for those issues or whatever injury, whatever they're feeling that they, you know, don't want to. Yeah, I think it's a good idea because even with all the stuff that's coming up, how you're you've talked publicly about that you're going to move. There's yeah, a lot of changes for them, right. and I think that yeah, I I've thought that because. Grant moved, my ex. Well, Grant moved, but I think you moving. This has been their stable home. 22 years. Since birth. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of changes, even you being sober, what that's going to mean. You're going to interact with them in probably an entirely different way now as a sober mom. Well, I'll tell you what is interesting, you guys. Uh, being on TikTok, and I thank Dr. Drew for that. Uh, I go on or sober. Or blame him. <laughs> I, no, I love it. I, I can go on sober TikTok. You punch in anything, cancer, and it'll all have cancer groups come up, women. I punched up sober, sobriety, and I see all of our famous friends that we know that that have been sober for years. Steve O is one, as you know him very well, and and they talk about how they grew up, and a lot of them had alcoholic parents, and a lot of them had such negative feelings towards their parents. It hit me deep, and I said, I do not want my kids to hate me ever. <laughs> I've I've worked so hard for the past eight years since the divorce to provide for them, to give them a lovely life, to take them on Disney cruises, to let go, take them to the movies, for them to be angry at me. And by the way, Drew, do you know what I did? I would schedule their movies. Let's say they wanted to see Venom. I would go to the movie theater that had the wine. Oh. Yeah. I'd make course, sure I'd course. go to Calabasas. It's at four kids. Oh, but there's one at three. No, no, let's go to this one. They have the reclining seats and the wine, you know, <laughs> and, the, and the wine. But, but they will appreciate all of that one day. But prepare yourself. They will go through a phase where they're not so pleasant. I, I believe it. Yeah. My it's son already did. He's not a question of if, it's a question of how long. He said <laughs> so. to me, I don't believe you. And I said, that's your prerogative. You're allowed not to believe me. I said, but. I'll tell you what, I can only show you with my actions. And mm -hmm. if there's ever a time when you come home from school and you want to smell what I'm drinking or smell my breath, you know what alcohol smells like, you are more than welcome to do that. You, you cannot make them responsible That's for what your gonna recovery. That's what I was going to say. They, they can't be your cop. who yeah. they are attracted to and what they look for in their relationships in their adult life. Okay. They will, they will look for alcoholics, which, oh. which, which they already may do because, you know, there's yeah. a fittedness when you're a child of an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And that's the other reason to get them into some allotine or a treatment or something where they okay. have a way to understand more deeply what this is and what, what, what they need to do when, when there's, you know, whether somebody in the family that has this condition, it's a family it systems is. phenomenon. Yes. Like Al-Anon, right? And That's I, ideally you want everybody to get some, some therapeutic interventions uh, and they work, they work great. 
they work great, but to, 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 you know, just leave it be, it, okay. it, it can result in stuff. And do I ask them if they'd like to go or do I just schedule it? Um, cause it, I'm sure they'll it, say, no, mom, we're like so happy for you. You know, like they're all very yeah, positive. I, I, I think, you know, you're the parent, you don't want to coerce, you don't want to demand, but you want to sort of say, I think it's important. It's part of me getting better is yeah. that you have a place to, and, mm, uh, that's and, a good way and to it see. is, it really is. Yeah. It's true. It, it's the, the codependents so-called, uh, are an important part of the, the process. They really are. I'm, you know, I'm one, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and you, uh, in the codependency aspect, I would say that my daughter would be, because she's the one who makes everything right, wants to make everything okay. She's very responsible, which yes. at her age, some of her behavior, I'll tell you, I've observed, it's almost too responsible. It's like, you're still right. a kid. So, so children that feel parentalized, th that yeah. can be a thing. And that's something she has to go talk about, you know? And so it, it tends to, what it does when they're parentalized, they they skip some of the developmental things they don't get some of the needs they have met uh you know their deeper more spontaneous childhood needs get sort of superseded by this desire to be a perfect child and keep everything good and keep everything okay and, uh, and that's you know again that's something easily managed well i think for me i mean i've been a very responsible parent it's only been the past this hasn't been going on my I haven't been drinking like this my whole life. I never drank like this on Good Day LA. I never drank like this. This has been the past few years. And mm -hmm. so, but those are formative years for those kids. Mm -hmm. And they, I was never out of control, but they would, I, I noticed the past year, okay, they've started to sort watch me more. And and the Thursday night was the end of it for not just them, but for me. When yeah. my friend came over, yeah, she, she I, sobered. I totally get it, but, but it's, it, it affects them. And it does not, it's not a uh, huge deal, right? Yeah. This is not, I mean, you went through a lot more in your childhood, right? That That's mm -hmm. heavy. That's the real deal stuff. Yeah. We're, we're, I know how you want to do everything possible for your kids. That's the only reason I'm bringing that right. stuff up. Well, also, like, I'm the type that... Uh, they know about my childhood. I'm, I've talked to them about people that shouldn't be touching their privates since they were three. It's been very important to me. And uh, they're like, we know, mom. Like, they're actually to the point where like, yeah, we know, the white van. I'm like, not just the white van. They go, yes, the pretty woman who has the puppies, the men. We know. Uh, they're, you know, because... I've been so traumatized by it that I don't trust anyone. And right. uh, and that's why I haven't dated in eight years. I never wanted a man to come over here and molest my daughter. I'm not, I'm, I'll just say it. I have never had a date. I've never brought a man over here. It's not going to happen. Dr. Drew, do you think that goes back to her saying that sometimes I think, and you said this quite often, Jillian, that is still untreated trauma when you feel that way that is like when the you say you don't yeah when it. you it's say you don't trust anybody the, yeah it's the yeah. other side of the trauma yeah right so it's like almost Which like is, that's why you it, need the treatment and and, it, and the way it's you know and the way it sometimes manifests and it's sort of again i'm not saying this is what you were doing or what it's just a construct that frequently happens in trauma people can become sexually compulsive and then sexually anorexic i'm anorexic yes. one way or the other well i'm dead from uh, the waist down so i know what way i went it's true. And you've treated many people that have gone the other way, beautiful women that he's treated that had childhood trauma, that had trauma from their mothers growing up that affected them in Well, I was going to say, you know, remember Jason Ellis, who we had on, who I think you know, Dr. Oh, yeah, Drew, he's, who's Jason. had trauma his whole life. And you kind of were making a joke about how you were closed up from the you know, waist down. And he said, girl, we can't just cement it over. You got to deal with it. Yeah. He, he made a joke of it, but he was being very serious. Mm -hmm. And I sat across from him and looked at him in his funny way. way. He's being very insightful. Where I was like, why are you shutting this down? That's not healthy to say, I'm just done. I'm never going to experience you know, sensuality, sexuality again. It, it's again that, so a part of you is left behind. It's just, right. been, trust me, you can only do that so long before that part of yourself has something that affects emotional needs. It's, you know, the, the, the way I, th I think about, you know, trauma is it creates emotions that are too prolonged, too intense and too negative. Uh, and you try to deal with them by just putting them away and they, yeah. they eventually and drinking. come through. Yeah. You're so right. Um, and didn't we all have a lot of time to think about that this last year plus? Well, I wanted to ask you, Drew, have you noticed an increase? What, right. what Liz is saying in, um, alcoholism or perhaps drug dependency um Massive. massively yeah. huge I, right I, i'm not a drinker and i've been drinking more so like, <laughs> yeah no you never <laughs> drink i don't like alcohol <laughs> <laughs> i'm not 
not kidding. It's like, like yeah. wow, this is like stunning to me. It's like, yeah. what the hell? And, and if that's happening to you, exactly. Just must be just incredible. Exactly. And I think that's what I was trying to say earlier. It re- This is, it really sped for up, me, exacerbated this it, last it, year. It completely sped up. And then I remember, um, you know, the great thing about uh, people that are sober in my life now is that they're, and Lizzie's, uh, she can have a drink or not have a drink. It's neither here nor there for her. And I, or, or, you know, alcoholics look at the table when we pay the bill and we look to see, and we're like, who left that half glass of wine? Oh, really? Who the fuck is crazy like that? Oh yeah. I oh. always check the table. I'm like, who, which, oh my God, they must not have. Wow. And, um, but the people that are sober in my life now are able to laugh about the things that happened to them because they're, it's, it's part of recovery. It's like, yeah, that D. I was lucky enough. The woman that came to my home, she's uh, sober three years. She said, "Do you know how lucky you are? You have never had a DUI. You've never right. had a public experience." Right. Where right. a lot it's, of my it's friends, lucky and unlucky, Jillian. It's yeah. lucky and unlucky. It's, it's it's this zone you're in that that can that trick I, you to go back. Right? If you do DUI and you were court ordered and you've yeah. been in jail and all these things that happened to you, trust me, you'd be in the program. You'd be doing whatever the hell you are. You'd be on your knees doing whatever you have to do yes. every day, all day. Yes. And you're, but you're in this intermediate zone where you said, I'm going to stop. And you did. You know, you were able to do that without any assistance. Withdrawals, yeah. And, and, and that's kind of a mixed blessing, right? Because you're like, mm, I can do that. And yeah. you did. No, you're right. Uh, but I, you're going you're gonna to need more. Oh, I, I, like yeah. we've been talking about. Yeah. Do so, you think it should be more than just the therapy she has now? Because this is... Yes, I do online meetings. Oh, great. Yeah. Do, good. All right, yeah, I'm great. so excited. Then, yeah. Then you got a sponsor? No, not yet. It's a little so, too early for me yet. And Heather's like, please don't... Like, I love her. So she's like, but no, don't look at me to be... And I'm like, <laughs> I won't. Because she's like, I don't want to ever be a sponsor. But she, no, she's kidding because she's got that sense of humor. But go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I'll tell you what that is. That is Heather being a healthy recovering person because you can't have a dual relationship in recovery. You can't oh. be a friend and a sponsor. Okay. Sponsor has to be somebody you don't know. I got you. Can, you. can call your shit out and be okay. you know, talk about shameful things and get into it yeah. and say to you essentially oh. just me too. I've been there. I get it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think I ever knew that. I didn't either. Yeah, that makes 100% because she does have a sponsor. You can't be a doctor and a friend, a doctor and a neighbor, a sponsor and a sister. It's just, it's got to be one thing in mental health and it's the sponsor. Now, let me ask you this. If you are a sponsor, can your life end up just becoming that helping of other people, but then you sort of neglect yourself? I'm just going deeper into the world of, of addiction. I understand. I understand. So, so yeah, you want to, ideally you want to put about three to five years under your belt before you start sponsoring people. And, and you want to go in slowly and under the direction of your sponsor, how much can I handle? But you'll be amazed when, when you get to that point at how much richness and growth comes from being on the other side from being somebody in the helping side. It, it is, it is as most of my recovering patients tell me, it's what keeps them sober being, being, you know, being witness, being of service. Yes. That, that's, you know, now you need them. Uh, and then you reach out to them there. They'll be there for you. They sure are. You'll be there for somebody else. And, and it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to be a part of that. And yeah. it really, ultimately all it is, is sitting there and being a, a repository of yeah. their their story and you'll see the you, the empathic attunement you'll have because it's a shared experience with this with this drug yeah just the power of me too and it's not hashtag me too it's i understand uh, me too yes. to me too i get it i the the you know sometimes when i if i can't sleep i do the sober tiktok and i see women like myself and they'll say you know i lost everything or i, I I was on the verge of losing everything or I blacked out and I relate to all of these women so much. And we will talk to each other, uh, through TikTok. And, um, but anyway, the meetings that I'm doing are actual AA meetings and I feel comfortable because I, I, you know, I dabbled with AA. I went once with Andy Lassner. I can say his name because he's been sober for many years. He's Ellen DeGeneres' producer and he was a heroin addict and he's he, public about it. Yeah. He's very public. Right. And I think he's got like 25 years now. I knew him when he was living in a sober house. Okay. So he, uh, is a great example of the program and how it works and how you can, how you can work it. And once you get to a certain point, you're not going to meetings every day. Cause they say 90, 90, do you think, cause I'm, you know, seeing all these people saying, look, I love AA, but it's not the only way to get sober. I've been sober 30 years. I used you know, this method. 
Do you think that that's possible or do you think that AA has been around for so long for a reason? Right. It works. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, now there's a, they, Dr. John Kelly, who runs addiction medicine at Harvard, and Dr. Keith Humphreys, who runs addiction medicine at Stanford, both published a Cochrane analysis, which is the highest level metal analysis in, in clinical research that showed conclusively that 12 step mutual aid societies work as well as or better when abstinence is your goal than professionally managed services and it's free and it's free yeah and he is and he has uh broken it down to show how the elements in recovery are essentially the elements in psychotherapy but that you can kind of pick and choose the the specific areas that are most needed for your particular recovery you know whether it's shame and guilt and trauma or whether it's uh you know, life skills or, or, uh, you know, so many different, whether it's spiritual emptiness and a spiritual vacuum that you have to fill. There's so many different ways it can be used for a given individual. And it's all stuff that really happens in therapy. Now, I'm not saying therapy, it, it obviates therapy. Sometimes you also need therapy, as we've discussed, where you've got some trauma stuff, you need some trauma therapy. But it, you'd be amazed how much uh, growth comes on in the 12-step in the process. But you got to have that sponsor, and you got to call them, and you got to do the step work. May I ask, yeah. how soon do people usually get sponsors? Is it like the first two weeks? Is it the first yeah, month? Yeah, I'm... Uh, you know, I ran a really, really intense program, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in we had the reputation for when the sickest of the sick, who had medical problems and seizures and psychiatric problems and addiction, that was us. So we dealt with people who were very, very sick and we did a very good job with them. And <laughs> in my world, I needed to see you do that right away. I needed oh, to see some okay. evidence that you were Got it. At, le- at least getting something a- called a temporary sponsor. We would just go, okay. go to me tonight, raise your hand, say, I need help, get that number, call it you know because okay. you know think of it it's very different than what you're doing in that situation we had people that were really far along and you know needed help doing things like being motivated to make a phone call you know and to get a phone number they, wow. they couldn't do it they, wow. and they needed our support and encouragement to do things like that sure. you i'm saying when, when you're ready you yeah know, the sooner, the sooner the better uh you, you know get get the, i i what i would urge you to do is raise your hand say i'm, I'm newbie i'm looking for a sponsor anybody i'd be love to take some numbers and take lots of numbers and, oh. and somewhere in there somebody will walk up to you and you'll go oh my god it's that's the, the right one person. i want to talk to yeah and, and, I, okay. and I would urge you to ideally someone with 10 years plus ideally oh. yeah uh, ideally, I, not necessarily, definitely five years, but ideally 10 years. Well, I, I have been to a meeting with Andy and I remember we walked in, we did a show in Hollywood that he produced. And so we went to a meeting. He was very big on his meetings. And I remember walking in and I, for a person who's been on television for 30 years, I was so like, I was, I was so shy and yeah. I'm like, do I have to talk? I don't want to talk. He's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, yeah. it's fine. Um, and so I have been to the meetings. I, I like the online presence because I feel a little safer in my home. And I yeah, feel like, I you know. Zoom works. But, Zoom meetings work. I was very skeptical about those yeah. when the pandemic hit. We had, we had lots of people we were watching carefully because like, oh, shit, this is a mess. Yeah. Uh, but they work. They work like crazy. Way better exceeded my expectations. Uh, and, okay, good and to they, know. But they only, I would urge you to think about it this way. After about six months, you need some per in some bodies in space. You need at least to go get coffee with a sponsor or okay. something. You you need you need something a little more, let's call it personal, intimate or, yeah. or connected. Um, and so we started people seeing people fall out after about six months into the epidemic. Oh wow! And they're just doing Zoom. Right now, right. do you have to have your camera on for the Zoom, Jillian, or could you have your ca- you camera? You can have off? it off. I think I had it off the first time, and then I was like, "This is silly. I'm just going to put it on." It's like yeah, this one I went very, to. I, I get that it's very uncomfortable. Yes, it's new, but usually the meetings are so welcoming. They know they've been there. They know what you're dealing with. They understand it. And there's different kinds of meetings, all different kinds. You know, there's some are super hardcore and they're, you know, old timers, no nonsense, oh shut up, get your yes. shit together. Yes. And they're ones that are deeply spiritual and they're, you know, sort of um, touchy feely in a yeah, sense. Yeah, a little nicer. And there's, and there's a speakers meetings and there's, there's a lot of stuff. The speakers, you can find stuff that really speaks I, to you. I love the speakers because you hear stories and you're like, yeah. and I never say to myself, oh, I'm so glad that, you know, I didn't get that far. I, I am, I'm grateful that I didn't kill somebody in a car or get into a DUI or, or worse, get a 5150 like all my friends have had. Uh, mm-hmm. And they all tell me, you don't want to go there. Like, you know, yeah. you know, that's the you worst. You don't want to go there. You don't no. want to go there. And, and the best way to listen to those meetings is thank God. 
Thank God. But for the grace uh, of God. But for the grace me. of God, yeah. not me. And also to, you know, I I am number one in this, but my certainly my children are another reason. And I think that, uh, you know, for, for your Al-Anon or codependent, Mm-hmm. Do do child children of alcoholic become one or the other the alcoholic or the fixer like the codependent? Typically, typically that that's sort of the reason to get her, them into some sort of process so that okay. doesn't happen. A if one has the gene and starts to see it and needs to manage it and is realistic with it, uh, and if the one is becoming a codependent, the, the the one thing the pattern you want to make sure you kind of avoid is them their attraction to alcoholics and addicts. Because, you know, things that are overwhelming in childhood, we don't talk about this ever, but where do attractions come from? We're not really that sure. But I can tell you when it comes to trauma and overwhelming situations in childhood, we are we immediately are attracted to people and places that look like, feel like, or recreate those circumstances of our childhood. I, I think it's a, an evolutionary thing. It's like it's a biological thing. Psychologists theorizing it's, oh, it's an attempt to master things that were, you know, we felt out of control. It's just in us. It's just yeah. a biology and it gets going. And if you don't sort of, again, work with that wiring, it will it will show up. Wow, that's heavy. You know, I, I was thinking about whenever I've mentioned any therapy, like sadly, my kids, you'd be the only person that they would go to because they know I love you and they know that they, they, they've heard Dr. Drew and they've seen you so much. I mentioned it once to them, you know, we can go to talk to somebody and they were both like, what? No. Hmm. So they're too young to recognize, but it's deep down in them. There's no doubt about that, that it is deep down. So it would have to be the, like you said, I'd have to step up and be a parent and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do because it affects yeah. everybody and, you know, not make it a big fucking deal. Like just, it and is, you know, deal. and really, and to, to be fair, really the, the proper way to approach this is you have a treating professional. You should talk, you shouldn't, shouldn't yeah. take my direction. You yeah. should talk to Hers. that person. Yeah. I mean, I can certainly advise you on the recovery side, but in terms of, treatment and choices you make work with her work with her. you know i once said to ricky rackman who you know very well and worked with um he was here one day and i said to him he was 50 and he goes yeah i'm celebrating my 25th year of sobriety and i said how the fuck did you know at 25 my life was just opening up i was just moving from miami to la and going out for drinks with friends and he said well i woke up in a jail cell and i had shit myself and that'll do it that'll do it and i thought wow so everybody well they say a bottom some people don't even have a quote bottom right they just are sick and tired of being sick and tired and towards the end i would have a glass of chardonnay and it would burn so much going down i'm like i don't even fucking like this anymore yet i was still doing it mm-hmm. yeah of course that's crazy and uh yeah it, it's a funny thing what what happens with this disease is your all your motivational systems get taken over by the pursuit uh, and, and your love Wait, for it. explain that a little more I'm, I, that's really well, it's, it's fundamentally a motivational disorder right it's that that your usual motivation which is to be a good mom and go to work and to not traumatize my kids and to, to do you know all these things that those start receding and one priority emerges which is Alcohol. use 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 oh. and if you're using if you're using heroin or meth that's the only thing that nothing else matters includes my health my survival my my hygiene everything goes away wow. and use becomes the only thing Jill, that is like that's yeah kind of a little spot on for what has been happening this last few months for you i think i think so because I, there was a month that your kids were away and yes. your cat died dog. and it was yeah oh the dog died but sorry thanks, thanks me. for knowing me so well <laughs> sorry <laughs> thanks for being such a good friend sorry <laughs> <laughs> she's had a lot of pets people but it was That's the true. dog and it was yes so yes I got it worse. almost seemed like yes yeah that and dorothy and i came over because we we're so concerned it was about almost you. like an intervention a few months ago and um, it really tr- all i could tell the motivations Drew. you had literally no it seemed like to even get you out of bed was even if you had a podcast 100%. it was like what is happening here 100 percent. and when you say letting there's, go there's there's two things that happen, right? One is the, the motivational disturbance, which is one thing is motivating. There's also a mood disturbance that comes in also. And it sounds like depression was getting in there as well. Oh, mm. hardcore. I mean, yeah. I, I, the depression for me was, I don't give a fuck anymore. And the, where it actually started was when I was 45 and Fox was like, well, they were pushing me out, but we'll give you three days a week and blah, blah. And I was like, fuck you. I, I started this party. I'm out. And I was in the best shape of my life at 47, 48. It really started kicking in. I got divorced. 
my mother died in my birth mother died in my arms. And then I, a few years later, two years later was diagnosed with cancer. And when I got really bloated, I had already started gaining weight, but then I got cancer, cancer drugs bloat you up, as you know. Mm. Um, I stopped caring. I was like, you know what? I've never really eaten before. I've never really drank this heavy. That It started after. And the depression got worse with other news that I got. And I just ended up, I, Liz knows there, was, there were two instances. I, I say there's one that really made me stop. It was my kids getting scared and not understanding and calling their friends what's happening. And one of the friends they happened to call, her mother is one of my best friends and she's sober for three years. So yeah. she came over. And she, oh, saved, she saved my life. That little girl was very smart to go get her mom. And Not her a lot of kids mother done that. said to me the next day, I'm coming over. And I said, why? I had no recall that she was here, okay, the night before. I, I, whatever. So she comes over and she said, what do you remember about last night? I'm like, nothing. I know that my kids are mad. And she said, I'm going to tell you everything. And it's not pretty. And you're going to, she said, say goodbye to your best friend today. And I was like, okay. And uh, she said, it's time. And she said, you know me. I was your drinking pal. She used to put back Stella like no man. Mm -hmm. She was the first person. If you would have said Shadine was going to get sober, I would have laughed in your face. And here she is three years in. And for her to tell me, it hit me in a different way. Because she's never, she's accommodated my drinking. She was the one that I partied with, you know? I haven't partied since but I But hasn't had that cancer. been interesting? She hasn't been around a lot the last year plus. Be because, because I haven't let, I've isolated and started drinking Well, and also, myself. why would she want to be around yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I mean. She knew I was a trigger and dangerous. Right. So, so two things. P people that are in their recovery know how to talk to somebody with this condition. They know exactly how to discuss it, how to talk about it, how to frame it, how to reach you. Yeah. And you should ask her what kind of work her daughter has done, because it sounds like she's had some treatment or something as well, mm -hmm. who was able to say, oh, that's an illness. My mom knows how to help with that and just go deal and with it, not make any drama. Her daughter is one of my daughter's best friends, and she was able to talk to her about it. And now Shadine and her daughter are very close because she so, doesn't drink so anymore. So again, that, mom, that daughter may be going to Alateen or yeah. therapy or something. That's how you're going to get your daughter into treatment. Got it. And it makes sense, Liz, because you're not an alcoholic. Dorothy's not an alcoholic. Jen, my high school friend, came up, not an alcoholic. She's a nurse. Yeah, so she called me. The way, yeah. yeah and, and asked for your gate code to get into your house because she was so worried about you. Yeah, and what you guys, you're not all alcoholics, so you weren't speaking my language. I knew there was an issue because something had happened uh, the night before, and it, but it wasn't the blackout. This was actually about a month before, right, Liz? Yeah. And uh, I was hospitalized. And basically, uh, like a 5150, well, it, was, it wasn't a straitjacket, but I guess I told the ambulance driver that I was done. And he's like, how you so? You yourself. But I, yeah, like, um, yeah. You yeah. basically, I think your neighbor found you in a manic blackout state. I had called her and this said- was a, this was, Wait, wait, this is, this is a second blackout or correct. is this the same one? This nope. is before three weeks. And by the way, it wasn't even a blackout. I was very coherent of what I was saying, what I was doing. Mm. I had taken, which I've never taken in my life, Valium. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I was drinking. I have never taken a Valium. And so when I, I guess the paramedics came, blah, blah, blah. I remember one of them talking to me. And then I got to- <laughs> The hospital, which is a whole other story. I was so fucking belligerent. And then I was like, shut up, Jillian, because they're going to put you in a mental institution. So the doctor was working on a guy who was coding beside me. And I could only see his feet and he was wearing the ugliest Crocs. So I was like, hey, Croc, Croc, when am I getting out of here? And I kept calling him Dr. Croc. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, he was like, you're not. And I was like, oh, you're going to keep me here forever. And, uh, and I was being like belligerent and an asshole. And then I was like, wait, and I go, so, so what do I have to do to get out of here? I'm sober. This is boring. It's 3 a.m. And he goes, it's 1 a.m. And he goes, you have to wait for the shrink to come. And he has to assess whether or not we admit yeah. you. Exactly. I go, listen, you're not going to admit me. Blah, blah. He goes, I go, when's he coming? Croc. And he said, could be five minutes, could be five hours. I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. So the shrink comes in. He was fucking awesome. And I said, look, I am struggling right now with alcohol. There's no doubt about it. And I know I have to do something. And uh, we talked for about half an hour. And he, he, he could tell. He's like, you know, I said, I just want to be the best mom. And I know I have to give it up. I know it's a devil. And I know it's really trying to grab me right now. And so... Um, and I said, I was very honest. He said, what else? I said, Valium. I have never taken Valium in my life. I got him from a friend 
And I said, if one is good, then six must be better. So I told him I took six and drank two bottles of wine and didn't give a fuck what happened to me. Now, did I say, did I intentionally say I wanted to off myself? No, but I just but, didn't but care. It's called passive suicidal okay. ideation. Like, yeah. right, if I yeah. died or didn't wake up, yeah. fine. Yeah. That, that's sort of what that is. So when we really worry about somebody is when they're suicidal actively with a plan. That's when you stay in the hospital. No, I just told the paramedic, and this is what the shrink said. Uh, he said, what's wrong? And I said, I just want to sleep. And he said, for how long? I go, forever. And then yeah. I said, I don't mean a dirt nap. I, he said, I did say that. <laughs> I still had my wits about me. I was like, not a dirt nap. I go, I just... I have had, I go, I have everything on me. I'm so tired. It's fucking, I have and to this pay was the for month me. your kids were away. So you had yeah, my no kids were not accountability here. in the household. None accountability, none. You're right. And I always get freaked out when they're up there for a month or longer because they've been here for eight years. They've been my life. As you know, I don't date. They are my fucking life. And so when they're gone for a while, yes, I, I tend to spiral. And I don't know if I was using that as an excuse, but it was a f wake up call, but not enough. Yeah. Here, here's the thing as you move on in your recovery and your abstinence you will start to look back on a lot of things and go oh oh yeah oh oh my gosh how about that whoa i didn't see that <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff starts yes coming through it's already put her somewhere else uh, a you lot are of stuff. you are it, spot it on for years for years i hey, let me tell you my favorite denial story i had a guy who worked for me for a while and he said you know uh I would come home raging drunk and he goes he'd been sober like when i saw, worked on these like so sober 15 years and, and when he was sober five years he said i remember this story where uh, i would come home every night raging drunk and my wife every morning would be on me on me on me i'd blow her off and he said one day i came downstairs back in the day in those little cassette recorders you know yeah. when you push the buttons he says sitting on the kitchen table was a cassette recorder and she said honey I, I need you to listen to this and he said what he heard was this guy raving and screaming and abusive and it sounded like him it was his voice oh and his God. reaction was to become furious with his wife how dare she hire an actor to <laughs> sound like him to make him believe he behaved like that and, but he didn't remember that till he'd been sober five years whoa yeah so that's this crazy is yeah you know it's you're, you're it spot on about certain things now that i'm thinking back and it's happened to me over the past week uh but but that was the first telltale incident um but i it wasn't enough to get me because my kids weren't here the one recently was more of what you're saying she yeah. she saw it she heard it she said you were not you you were yeah. like a possessed that's traumatic. traumatic that's traumatic having your parent say yes you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that she, you know, was the one to tell me because had anybody else say you have a problem it, because it came from her and she was the biggest, way bigger than any, like, and I have a lot of friends who like to drink beyond. And she was the one telling me you're fucking mm -hmm. done. I was like, I am. I go, how bad was it? She said, really fucking bad. And she framed it properly, which is you're in love with this thing. It's your best friend. Yep. You have to leave it. That's what she Sorry. said. Say good. Say goodbye to your best friend. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah, really? Yeah. And I said, well, she said, if I were to have tape recorded what you were last night, you, mm. she said, I, I, I pray you never mm. hear, see, she said it was one of the most horrific things that she encountered that she experienced that I, I sounded like a different, I sounded possessed. I was not me. I kept thinking people were coming to kill me. And my psychologist said, well, mm -hmm. you are so deep into your, that world of death and mm -hmm. murder. And, you know, with my work, I do with Deborah Tate, the work, I mean, you know, serial killers, things like this. She said, mm -hmm. subconsciously, you could be frightened. You fr scare everybody around you because that's, those are the only documentaries you watch. That's the mm -hmm. only books you read. You're so immersed in it that you blacked out and you thought people were coming to, you know, harm you. It was crazy. I didn't know that. That's That was enough to scare me not to drink anymore. Well, good. So today, and, and I would encourage you one last thing, yeah. which is don't worry about three weeks or four weeks or seven weeks worry about today yes that, that it is a it is a long-term process and whenever we have these long time horizons in our life all that matters is today today i, I tell people that's the way to approach marriages and relationships too it's, if it's <laughs> that's good a, today that's great it's probably yeah. gonna be good tomorrow too so but worry about today or you could be like howard stern happy wife happy life oh mm -hmm. god why mm -hmm. can't i meet a nice jewish man
Oh. We live in the San Fernando Valley. They are everywhere. You gotta, you gotta open the bottom <laughs> half back up, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you, Doctor Drew. You are, you give sage advice. You know of what you speak. Um, next time we are going to talk more, and I want your daughter with you yes. because I yes, think that this. It's a very important conversation for a lot of people. Me, my daughter, my son, 12, my daughter, son, 14. Put the, throw in her room. See if she likes it. I'd love to hear what her thoughts. Oh. It doesn't have to be awkward. It's, it's, it's designed for your daughters. Yeah. Warm That's wonderful. You. And but, she has a teenage son. But I was going to say, our sons are very important right now because just what's in the news, everything would happen with that young girl, Gabby. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually posted something about it's our responsibility to talk to our sons to deal with heartbreak and disappointment because otherwise they leave a trail of destruction. Well, so, he was a complete narcissist. Quick things on that. Yeah. So A, get your sons to date and form and break relationships yes. when they're late Normal. in their lessons. Because, Normal. Because what happens is they, they all the hanging out and no dating and no relationships oh. and they're fe they're fearful because oh. of me too and they don't want to be seen wrong. Then when they hit about 24, they start getting obsessed with certain women. Uh -oh. And if those women uh -huh. don't, don't reciprocate they yeah. start stalking them as oh. their best friend. Oh, God. Like, We're just friends. He comes and cleans my car every said, I love oh. Jimmy. No, Jimmy yeah. is stalking you. That and that happens a lot because the men aren't developing the normal skill set for dating and forming relationships. You have to really help wow. them with that. That's one side of the story. The other side, uh, let me tell you on uh, the Gabby Petito, is that her name? Yep. Look at the pictures of that boyfriend over time. He gets thinner. He starts getting scabs on his face. That's meth. That's math. These people, these two were homeless for two months running around the country in a van. And he was probably doing drugs. Maybe she was too. I don't know. But I see the, I see the earmarks. I saw him. codependency I in her. I can't her. say for sure, but I think that's kind of what I, we're dealing I with. I saw codependency because when the cop yeah. was asking her questions, she, it was, everything was on her. She's like, yeah, he's yeah. not in trouble. Is he? No, it was me. I have episodes. I have a lot. I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh God, they're, they're, mm -hmm. I know that girl well. Blame it mm -hmm. on yourself and the narcissist runs free. Anyway, I love you, Dr. Drew. I know you have a heart out. You have to go be on another show. Show who knows where he goes but <laughs> out there helping the world he's out there yeah, yeah without a cape i love it but uh, i love you guys and i will see you we'll reschedule i want to schedule something with paulina i really yeah, want to talk to her 100 and she, I, she looked forward to it. she got sick and felt really bad about this oh but, it's no uh, worry and in the meantime i will have i didn't know i've been leafing through it i find it very helpful for myself and i want it to my daughter to look at it or it might be, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, let my, my daughter and your daughter speak on this show or something. I was going to say, that, that could be, be really cool. cool. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Okay, yeah. we'll schedule that. And yeah. uh, how? just curiously, how old are your triplets now? 28. Okay, I've known Adults. him 28 years. Well, I didn't really know you at 28 years. You, you two thought I was a fucking crazy woman from Fox. But anyway, I love you so much. Nothing's Thank changed. you. No, just <laughs> yeah, I'm just not at Fox anymore. That's the only difference. Love you, Drew. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Bye, Drew. Thank you so much, Drew. You're the best. Oh, please don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe because we watch everything and we really want to hear what you guys have to say about the podcast. Thanks a lot.